Thank you. I have said that the essence of a Christendom college education can be summed up in five words. Truth, truth exists, the incarnation happened. I was recently told by a pro-life advocate from Kentucky, John Cetrullo, who has been at many conferences with Christendom College tables, that the students manning them always know and repeat these five words, which I call our watchwords. Today I will try to show you just what they mean. Believe it or not, and it is almost incredible, at most colleges and universities in the Western world today, which were founded to seek and to teach truth, students are taught that truth does not exist. <clears throat> though this makes a mockery of the very reason we have colleges and universities. There are professors who have made their reputations by saying and teaching that truth does not exist. This has been called fundamental skepticism. I first encountered fundamental skepticism at Columbia University, where I was studying for my doctorate in the 1950s. I had gone to Columbia from Bates College in Maine, where truth was respected and honored, to a place where it was frankly rejected. I had been taught philosophy by a great teacher named Joseph Alfonso, who showed me that all such nonsense can be refuted by simply asking the fundamental skeptic, is that true? The English Catholic writer Christopher Derrick, who had been a student of C.S. Lewis, gave me the right name for this colossal error in an important little book which he well entitled, Escape from Skepticism, Education as if truth mattered. As Derek knew, at most colleges and universities now, truth does not matter anymore. This book by Derek describes the education given at Thomas Aquinas College in California, the first of the new Orthodox Catholic colleges now spreading over our country and the world, whose purpose is to teach truth. Christendom College is the third of these new colleges, and is the pattern for most of the newer ones, because Thomas Aquinas College uses the great books teaching method, which does not teach history, while Christendom has lecture courses and majors, definitely including history. Derek pointed out in his book that the students at Thomas Aquinas College, like all of you, hungered for truth and were happy when they knew they were getting it. At Columbia, where truth was denied, I felt lost and angry because I knew the education which I had resolved to make my life was about truth, and I could not imagine accepting anything less. That search for truth led me ultimately into the Catholic Church as a convert. The Catholic Church has never ceased to proclaim truth. Its holy founder, who is God, Jesus Christ, said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Standing before him, Pontius Pilate could only ask, What is truth? Today we have a world full of Pontius Pilots asking that sad, despairing question, to which we as Christians, we Christians have the answer from God himself. If we do not teach that truth exists, we have nothing to say. In February I told you how the Catholic people of Lithuania, when their conqueror and oppressor Joseph Stalin, a great enemy of God, cut down and buried their ancestral wooden crosses on the hill of Sialii, dug them up and replaced them with three crosses in stainless steel, 40 feet high. I was doing essentially the same thing with regard to the teaching of truth when I founded this college. If you are true Christendom students, you will never even listen to anyone who tries to tell you that truth does not exist. 
You will know that in a very real sense you are the sons and daughters of truth who have it and will not give it up nor ever fail to speak for it. You will listen to our present Holy Father, uh, Benedict XVI, when he warns us, as he has often done, of the dangers of moral relativism, which is the denial of truth and morality. Pope Benedict has spoken of the dictatorship of relativism, and you will heed the magisterial words of his predecessor, Pope John Paul the Great, a history maker, in his magnificent encyclical Veritatis Splendor, which means the splendor of truth, which you should all buy and write, read and study and reflect upon throughout your education here. Every one of you should have it and be guided by it. Truth is the mind's conformity to reality, but there is a kind of mind that sees such conformity as confining and even degrading. This is the ultimate offense to the creator of reality, God himself, the God whose very name is I Am. Such minds prefer truth to be infinitely plastic, their private fantasy and creation. Such a mind hates God, like whom God said was a liar from the beginning. In the last several lectures, I have told you how the communists thrived on lies. Their propaganda made lying a fine art. I know because for several years I studied and analyzed communist propaganda for the Central Intelligence Agency. For all the years of the existence of communism, spanning most of the accursed 20th century, the guide to the communist line was always the Russian newspaper Pravda. By supreme irony, Pravda is the Russian word for truth. When the people of the communist empire awakened to how they had been deceived, they simply told their erstwhile masters to stop lying to them. And led by Mikhail Gorbachev and Boris Yeltsin, they did stop. At the height of their power, communist propaganda lies streamed all over the world through a thousand radio stations. When I was a propaganda analyst, we had people that monitored and copied every one of those broadcasts, and I read hundreds of them. Now their lies have fallen silent at last, and we have more reason than ever firmly to insist that truth exists. Now, even in Russia, we have the real Pravda. What happens when you deny all truth and tradition? At the end of the Vietnam War, the Southeast Asian nation of Cambodia was taken over by a group of communists trained in French universities by people who denied the existence of truth. They called themselves existentialists, and their slogan was, Existence is absurd. They were led by a monster named Pol Pot, who shares with Hitler the remembrance of a man who killed millions of his own people. These people in Cambodia were united in an organization called Ankaleo, which means in the language of Cambodia, the organization. Remember that God, whose name is I Am, the found, is the fountainhead of existence. These people dared to call God himself and his creation absurd. The result was one of the worst chapters of horror in the world's history. This was truly sin on a grand scale, which God will not abide. He crushed it like a loathsome insect. By the time of the final U.S. troop withdrawal from Vietnam, the Communist Army in Cambodia had increased eightfold to 40,000 men, who could and did take over from the Vietnamese Communists. But to almost everyone's surprise, the pathetically under-equipped and under-supported Cambodian troops dug in and held their capital city of Phnom Penh. 
They had learned through nightmare stories passed from person to person that hell was, was upon them. In the new Cambodian communist state, the state that Anka Leo, the organization, was establishing throughout the country, there were only three kinds of people other than the Communist Party officials, peasants, workers, and soldiers. All were helpless slaves of the organization. The land was worked by production teams of 20 or more families, each team controlled by three communists. Not only was there no, were there no pro private plots of land, there was no private property of any kind. Money was abolished. All exchanges was by barter or party requisition. Children were separated from their parents at the age of six and rarely saw them again afterward. Childhood was lost. Even toys were banned in Red Cambodia. Peasants, workers, and soldiers could be assigned to labor anywhere. All religious and social celebrations were prohibited. Marriage was delayed until after military service and then required the permission of the Anka Leo. All the most evil dreams of every communist from Marx to Lenin and Mao, Marx to Lenin and Mao and Stalin were brought to hideous reality in Cambodia of 1975. There was no escape because all travel was banned. Any expression of joy was suspect, so no one laughed. The communists had always claimed they wanted to spread human habitus, but they never did. People, quote, withered from loneliness, authority, loyalty, all sense of identity were monopolized by the Ankaleo, end quote. One of the worst things that can happen to a man and a woman in our society is identity theft, now so common that we have insurance policies to protect us if it happens to us. Cambodia's conquering communists inflicted identity theft on their own people. Only the reluctant desertion-ridden American army stood between the Southeast Asian communists and their victims, and we proved a broken reed. Do not ever let anyone tell you there was no reason for us to fight in Vietnam. We fought there essentially to prevent the worst evil in history since the Aztec human sacrifices in pre-Columbian Mexico. We were about to suffer the first defeat in our history at the hands of Ho Chi Minh, the communist leader of Vietnam. It was to avert that hellish fate, avert the hellish fate that had befallen Cambodia that all young men named on the Vietnam War Memorial, the memorial that has no cross, died to prevent and nevertheless failed. President Nixon, facing impeachment for the Watergate burglary and the ensuing cover-up, had been forced to resign the preceding August. His vice president, Spiro Agnew, had been forced to resign already because of a corruption scandal. Nixon's new vice president, Gerald Ford of Michigan, succeeded him on his resignation. A better and humbler man than his, than his predecessor, Ford would have been the first to admit that he was no great leader, no history maker. He had no magic solutions for Southeast Asia. Indeed, by his time, the disaster there would have challenged Napoleon or even Alexander the Great to reverse. Every American would prefer to forget the magnitude of that disaster, given special poignancy by the fate of Cambodia and the evacuation of Vietnam, when the heirs of George Washington and Abraham Lincoln abandoned all people who had trusted them. 
but the historian is the guardian of memory. He must relentlessly chronicle both shame and heroism. In the American evacuation of Cambodia and Vietnam, there was nothing but shame, and no trace of heroism except for a man named Ed Daly, who, when all was falling, flew a plane load of Vietnamese orphans from Vietnam to California on his own initiative and at his own cost to enable him to begin new lives in the land of freedom and opportunity. The regime Uncle Leo set up in Cambodia is full of echoes from communist history, echoes of war communism under Lenin, echoes of the Ukrainian terror famine and the great purge under Stalin, echoes of the great leap forward and the great cultural revolution under Mao Zedong. In all these things, Pol Pot simply did what his masters and teachers had done before him, while ignoring their second thoughts and counsels of caution. There is one parallel from the history of revolution and communism born in revolution. It comes from the history of the reign of terror in the French Revolution, which Pol Pot was taught at the Sorbonne, at the University of Paris, to glorify. At the height of the reign of terror in 1793, the French city of Lyon rebelled against the revolutionary government. Like Phnom Penh, it was taken after a long siege. The National Convention, then leading the French Revolution, decreed the abolition of the defiant city. As we shall see, Pol Pot did exactly the same in Cambodia when he decreed the abolition of his own capital, Phnom Penh. The National Convention said, quote, The city of Lyon shall be destroyed. On the ruins of Lyon shall be raised a column attesting to posterity the crimes and the punishment of the royalists of the city with this inscription, Lyon may war liberty, Lyon is no more. End quote. So does the revolution deal with its enemies. In 1975, we abandoned both Vietnam and Cambodia. Cambodia first. On April 1st, 1975, the Cambodian leader, Lon Nau, having suffered a stroke, departed. And on the 11th, all the remaining Americans in the sadly named Operation Eagle Pull. To put it bluntly, we cut and ran like whipped dogs with our tails between our legs. In that great movie, Patton, General Shud Patton says proudly that Americans had never lost and will never lose the war. But we lost this one. On April 16th, the last Cambodian Patriot commander, General Sat-Sukhan, left the Cambodian capital of Phnom Penh with his family by helicopter. The next day, the communists marched in, resolved to impose their rule at once. Quote, the insurgent soldiers were overwhelmingly boys and girls in their teens. They gave the impression not of children, but of malevolent robots. Grim, robot-like, brutal, wrote Sidney Shanberg of Phnom Penh's Congress with weapons, grenades, and rockets that dripped from them like trees. Silent and unsmiling, the communist soldiers filed through the jubilant crowds that quickly fell, quiet and fearful. Answering cheers and waves with mask-like indifference, they stopped traffic, ordered drivers out of their vehicles, and corralled surrendering soldiers into frightened groups forcing them to disrobe in the streets. The mood in the capital changed as if a switch had been thrown. One of those who felt elation turned to dread over the space of a couple of hours was a French priest, priest Francois Ponchot. During ten years in Cambodia, Father Ponchot 
had lived among and come to identify with peasants and the urban poor. In the war years, sickened by the corruption, callousness, and social injustice of the law and all government, he sympathized with the, re with the revolution. Although he knew from refugees of acts of cruelty in the liberated zone, he still believed that Cambodia could escape its misery with a communist victory. But now, as he watched the first revolutionary soldiers arrive, doubt became a physical sensation, as if a slab of lead had fallen on the city. Everyone, Cambodians and foreigners alike, thought this had to be Phnom Penh's most miserable hour after long days of fear and privation, Sidney Schamberg wrote of the Republic's fall. They looked ahead with hopeful relief to the collapse of the city, but they, for they felt that when the communists came and the war finally <laughs> ended, at least the suffering would be over. All of us were wrong. This end of quote. This quote is taken from a book by Father Poncho with the unforgettable title of Cambodia Year Zero. In one way, Paul Pot went beyond anything that any government, communist or Nazi, had ever done or thought of doing in the accursed 20th century. It was an act of such mindless horror that most people recall, recoil from remembering or even mentioning it, as I do. It was the ultimate product of the denial that truth exists, for it involves the annihilation of all those who believe the truth does exist. Paul Pot and his communists removed every living person except top party officials from his capital city, and he did it that very day. Not the next week, or the next month, or the next day. Not with any notice, not with any time to think or remember the homes and loves of the people. That day, that afternoon, until the sun set and on through the night. The people of Cambodia were exiled from the world. In a very real sense, they were sent to hell. Three million people, all gone by the next morning, except for the party men and the soldiers. No other exceptions, none. Imagination quails before the horrors of that march. Hospitals were emptied, some patients being pushed into the choked streets with needles still in their arms. If they had no beds, they crawled like worms. The roads and streets could not begin to hold them all. They were so thickly clumped together that, that they could move only a few hundred yards an hour. The soldiers shot any who lagged, and any they felt like shooting. The very small children, the old, the sick, soon began to fall. They died where they lay, and the driven hordes trampled their corpses. I used to think that the supreme horror of history, in history, was the Aztec human sacrifices. But now I think it was this scene in Cambodia, in what Father Poncho called the year zero. The devil must have loved every minute of it. Why would any sane man have done such a thing? Because that is a logical result of denying the truth exists. You come to want to destroy the world which has truth in it, such as the deadly poison of fundamental skepticism. Do you see now why I tell you not even to listen to the person who tries to tell you the truth does not exist? It's like a lethal plague, a modern black death of the mind. If we believe it, it will take us where the three million people of Phnom Penh and Cambodia went, where the devil, that liar from the beginning, wants us all to go, from which Jesus Christ alone can save us. That is why we call him Savior. Which brings me to the second watchword of our college, the Incarnation Happened. 
God made us fleshly images, and so he sent his Son, the second person of the Blessed Trinity, as a man to expiate all our sins on the cross, thereby opening the road to heaven for us. Think what this means. The divine Lord, the King of Angels, the Master of the Light Years, put himself into a human body, is much lower than he is, uh, much lower than he as a worm or a slug is from us. And he took upon himself all the sins of mankind, all the evils of Hitler, Lenin, Stalin, Mao, and Genghis Khan, and Pol Pot. There is no room for any rational doubt that Jesus Christ did exactly this, which is why we worship him. In every one of the Gospels, and especially in the Gospel of John, he says exactly who he is. Historical research has established that all the Gospels were written while there were still people living who remembered him. And John was his favorite, the beloved disciple who was an eyewitness of the crucifixion and stood at the foot of the cross when all the other apostles, even Peter, had fled. Christ chose Peter the fisherman as the head of his church, the first pope, in the ringing words given in Matthew 16, 18, 19, which every one of you should know by heart. So whenever anyone asks you who founded your church, I used to have a uh, online answering, an online uh, service where I would get questions from people and they often ask who founded your church. We can say with full assurance that God himself founded it because the incarnation happened. And that is true because truth exists. That's why we say that truth exists and the incarnation happened are the watchwords of Christendom College. That is why you must go to your death fearlessly proclaiming that truth exists. That is why you must avoid, as you will avoid a play victim, any man or institution that permits the teaching that truth does not exist. This is our modern message, message of death and destruction. It is why averring that the incarnation happened make you, makes you a Christian. It's why I was not a Christian until I could say it. Finally, what happened to the survivors from the horror of Phnom Penh in Cambodia? The ones still alive were resettled in the countryside, classified as peasants, workers, or soldiers, and assigned to labor battalions accordingly. Quote, they slept in barracks, ate in canteens, gave up their children, and worked. All else was banned. Markets, money, schools, books, religion, prayer, idle hours of conversation and laughter, music. The people who work, people worked every day with rare days off for political education. The work day began at six in the morning and ended at eight, and at six, and could last until eight or ten in the evening. End quote. All communications with the outside world were cut off. Telephone, telegraph, cable, mail service, airline service, except for occasional flights to Beijing, from Beijing, uh, from or to Beijing, Moscow, and Hanoi, whence the horror had come. Foreigners were expelled from the enslaved country. No replacements were admitted for months. The borders, land and sea were closed and tightly patrolled when anyone trying to cross them was killed. It is estimated that probably a quarter of the entire population of Cambodia, male and female, one man or woman every four, died in the city evacuations and the police terror 
of the first year total rule by the Ankaleo. Paul Bott and the Ankaleo ruled Cambodia for three years. Then the communists of Vietnam took it over when they ruled their own, while they ruled their own country in much the same way. So desperate were the Vietnamese people to escape this diabolical slavery that they would launch out into the sea, riding on anything that would float. They were called the boat people. I once had a Vietnamese student named Mary Claire Almeter, who was adopted by a family in Georgia, whose uncle was one of these boat people. He floated out to sea with one companion, a Buddhist. Mary Claire and her uncle are Catholics. Her uncle had almost reached the escape boat on the beach when he escaped, when he stopped to rescue a mother and her two children who had become trapped in quicksand. Then he and the Buddhist were taken aboard a boat which was attacked by pirates, looted, and sunk. The pirates killed most of the men aboard. Mary Claire's uncle, whose name was Duong Lei, and the Buddhist, Buddhist were left swimming in the open sea. They were utterly abandoned, but Duong Lei knew that God never abandons his people. The Buddhist asked Duong Lei to baptize him in seawater, and he did. In that act, the Buddhist became a Catholic. At that moment, a white dove flew down almost to the surface of the water, then flew away. Swimming to the place where the dove had descended to the surface, the two men came upon a huge log with many edible crustaceans and shellfish, on which they lived for many days until they were rescued from the sea. Our Christian iconographers depict the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove. Was this the Holy Spirit? I think so. Mary Claire told me the story herself on May 12, 1994. Is it any wonder that she has now traveled to other colleges to deliver the message of Christ, or that her sister is now in the poor Claire community in Buffalo, to which several of our other graduates have gone? I hope that some of you may follow their example. So the devil did not get all the people from Cambodia and Vietnam, and our aid to them was not entirely wasted. He did not get Mary Claire or Duong Lai. Those of us who remain alive and free can still and always should proclaim to the world that truth exists and the incarnation happened. Never forget that you learned that here at Christendom College. Never listen to anyone who denies it, whatever his scholarly credentials. It is what Christ told Pilate by his very existence. It is our hymn of salvation.